This episode of the Upper Discussion Podcast is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Launched in Kelowna, BC, and now expanding to Montreal, Whiskey Lane is on a mission to share their obsession with quality food and drinks with growing audiences by keeping the best local flavors on their minds and on their tongues. No matter what your business needs to grow, Whiskey Lane knows how to make it happen. Whiskey Lane, bringing long lines to the producers of specialty food and drinks. Go to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And that's whiskey, the Canadian way, without an E. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to episode 304 of Up for Discussion, a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Every week, we tackle a different dish, ingredient, or style of cuisine, sharing our favorite recipes and learning from our wonderful guests. Today, we are talking all about the food that people eat around New Year's, whether it's New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Everybody's got some kind of food tradition to turn over the year, so today we are digging into it. But before we dig into it, I want to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As a settler, I think it's important to remember that the lands we occupy are not our own and to engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. So I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on the relationship that you have with the land that you live on and with the indigenous communities thereof. So guys, this is it, the last episode of 2020. This year has been really difficult for a lot of people, myself included in parts, but it's also been a time of growth. <laughs> I lost a job that frankly was making me miserable, and thanks to the Canadian government's relief programs, I was actually able to really focus this year on podcasting and on my family. And that was a really great opportunity. It's weird and kind of a little uncomfortable when growth happens during a chaotic time like a pandemic, but that makes me think about something an old roommate of mine once told me. <laughs> he said that pain is just weakness leaving the body. Uh, of course, he was specifically talking about the pain that people feel after an intense workout, and I think it's kind of problematic to look at all pain as weakness, because, you know, a lot of pain is chronic, and it's kind of super ableist to downplay that, but I do like the idea that in some cases, a lot of growth can come out of hard situations. That's not to say that you need a hard situation in order to grow, but sometimes they go hand in hand, you know, like sometimes you can grow out of a hard situation and there's a beauty to that, you know, and I think that the beauty of that contrast is what this year has been about for me. I've been able to dive deep into podcasting and make more of a career out of it, but I also had to shut down my studio to clients and friends, so I haven't really like <laughs> seen people for most of this year, and that really sucks. I've gotten to spend a lot of time with my family, which has been really amazing and lovely, but like I miss having people around. I miss eating food with people. I miss cooking for people and going out to restaurants because I'm one of the people who hasn't been going to restaurants during this pandemic. Not to, you know, make anyone feel guilty for doing that, but, you know, <clears throat> that's just the way it is. I miss recording with people at the same table instead of over Zoom. I, I, I miss that a lot. But, you know, there were a lot of good things this year, too. I, I finally got a family doctor after years and years, and anyone who's <laughs> had to get a family doctor in Quebec knows that that uh, is a process. And thanks to that family doctor, I now have glasses that I didn't realize I needed, but holy crap, I can, like, read subtitles from across the room now and, like, read street signs and things and not have to squint to see the time on the oven in the kitchen from, like six feet away. It's it's kind of amazing. And more importantly, I'm finally taking anxiety medication to help me deal with what's been honestly a pretty hellish mental health problem for like most of my adult life. And uh, that's that's really great. And that wouldn't have happened if I didn't get that doctor this year. So all that to say there are, you know, obviously this has been a really hard year, but there's also been a lot of really good changes that came out of it, at least for me. Change is hard and sometimes painful, but at the end of this absolute trash fire of a year, I'm choosing to look at all of this as ultimately a good thing. I know that's a privilege, and as such, I think it's my responsibility as someone who is doing a little bit better during all of this to continue putting out a show for you week after week that is as great as I can possibly make it. 
uh, to give you something consistent to look forward to during all of the chaos. So for this, the final episode of 2020, we're going to be talking all about food traditions around the changing of the year, the things we eat to celebrate the end of a year, things we eat to bring in a new one, and how the foods that we eat this time of year can be symbolic of the greater changing of time. Realistically, there is nothing special about January 1st. It's an arbitrary date that somebody designated a long time ago to mark the start of a new year. Any day could have been New Year's if we just wanted to adjust the calendar that way. There are societies and cultures that celebrate a different New Year based on a lunar calendar, right? You know, we've got Jewish New Year and Chinese New Year. Like there are there are other ways to mark the turning of a new year. But at least in the Western world, at least in North America, at least in, you know, <laughs> kind of secular households, January 1st is what we chose and we observe it and we celebrate it. And it gives us a rhythm that we can look at and an excuse to have a party and do some self-reflection. And all of those are good things, you know, rhythm and parties and self-reflection, those are all wonderful and, and things that we can celebrate. And I think that food is also something that is wonderful that we can celebrate and I like to tie them together. <laughs> so no matter what your New Year's traditions, I hope that you enjoy this episode. I hope that you find some joy and maybe even some hope in it at the end of what's been kind of a crazy year. So first up, I'll be talking to my friend Andrew Henderson about his personal New Year's traditions. And then in the second half of the show, I'll be sharing some of my own, including ways to celebrate New Year's Eve on a budget if, you know, finances are hard for you this year because of, you know... <laughs> gestures at the world and what's going on in it. And then I'll be sharing some answers from friends on Facebook about their own traditions. Uh, finally, to wrap things up, I'm going to share my hopes for 2021 and some of my highlights from 2020. So let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Andrew. On this, the New Year's Eve food episode of Up for Discussion, I am joined by the wonderful Andrew Henderson. Andrew is one of the co-hosts of Debate This. If that sounds familiar, it's because one of his other co-hosts, Matt Cole, is on this show all the freaking time. Andrew is also one of our patrons for this show, which means that this show could not and would not exist without Andrew's wonderful help and support. Uh, and Andrew also, as part of Debate This, does a lot of video game streaming. Uh, Andrew, welcome, and tell me about that. Because uh, that's something I want to do eventually. <laughs> hi, Tom, and hi, hi, up for discussion, verse. Great to be back. I love. I, I just want to say, Tom, I love the new direction. I love your passion for food, and I, I hope that I can at least half the uh, the excitement and the passion that my co-host Matt brings <laughs> to the proverbial table here. Uh, there, there is no one that I know personally that's more a fan of food than 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 he and and by extension you so, so yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh it's been a lot of fun i i feel like just to pull the curtain back like matt and i did not do podcast things together at all until right. i turned this into a food show i mean except a couple of times that i've been on debate this sure, sure and sure. when i was like figuring out you know how I wanted to do things once we moved the show over to food. Matt was like at the top of my list of people I wanted to get yeah. on as often as possible. Which, like <laughs> I, I, I to to quote Shit's Creek because this is what I do now. Sure, uh, I love I love that journey for him um, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, it just it just works so well. And and I'm glad I'm really happy. I'm specifically happy that you guys were able to find uh, a friend in the Food Network because I think he needs that in his life. Not to like you know what I mean. Like I, I think, needed it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was just listening to the uh, to the the biscuits and gravy app today, and uh, I it it is so it is so real here in 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 our our year of quarantine to like you you need that that <laughs> shitty reality TV friend, and uh, similarly to how um I've so I've been watching a lot of Forged in Fire, and I was oh, able to yeah. bond, which is like oh that show fucks so hard. Yep. Um, I was able to to bond a little bit. Matt and I were able to bond uh, to bond there. Not unlike Damask layer of la layers of Damascus steel bond with each other. Um, but we're not talking about fortune fire. <laughs> no, we are. Yeah. So to answer your original question, um, streaming streaming is a fun thing that we started doing this year, um, mostly because of quarantine. Right. Uh, so uh, listeners at home, uh, at the time of recording this, we are in the we are toward the tail end of our heavy rain playthrough, which I believe might be done by the time this comes out but uh yeah every monday uh twitch.tv slash debate this cast you can tune into what we started calling monday night football <laughs> which is so stupid just just us uh playing games uh, we usually try to get all four of the co-hosts together when 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 work schedules allow um usually ends up being like 75 percent i personally 
you know, have always wanted to do it, but I'm also like not a huge fan of streaming. Sure. So, you know, um, so I, I, I want it to be something that can be enjoyed by people like me, Mm. um, which, which means, you know, I I don't think it's ever like we're ever going to be kind of like logging in every day and just, you know, just hanging out, but it'll probably be more like curated content. Like, okay, like we we're trying to stick through like narrative games, so you know we just did Detroit Become Human, and now we're doing Heavy Rain in the in the the, the Quantum Dreamverse. Um, Heavy Rain is not a good game. I'm very much not <laughs> enjoying playing it. Um, have you ever played it? No, I, I had not heard of it apart from your streams. So uh, it is it sucks. It sucks to play. It plays like ass, <laughs> but uh, but I hope that it's at least fun and engaging content. So so yeah. Um, we're still figuring out what the next big one is, but we will nice. know probably at the time of this release. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, I know. Um, my one of my goals for 2021 is to um, do more streamed content uh, in some capacity, and like without yeah. without saying too much, obviously, just because I'm still in the planning stages of everything, and I have this policy where I try not to put things out into the world until they're like <laughs> moderately <laughs> concrete. I'm that. definitely like you know I'm thinking about doing gaming streaming if I can figure out a setup for it, oh, but yeah. that definitely won't happen until Toby is like in daycare or school because like yeah, you know totally that's fair. just not an option, and you know we're in a pandemic, so who knows when that'll be. Um, but I am also doing um, a lot of like prep for like teaching workshops and maybe like cooking oh, man, stuff yeah. online. So that, you know <laughs> I would I would definitely engage with that. Yeah. Sure. So uh so keep an eye out for that in twenty twenty one. I'll uh cool. hopefully be doing some streaming. And honestly, eventually I will probably hit you guys up to figure out, you know, yeah, what the hell I'm sure. doing with my streaming right. setup. Cause... Happy happy to help. Let me know. <laughs> Let me know how I can. Um so kinda on the topic of people getting together, you know, to do Monday night football. I, this is not the greatest transition in the world, but I can't always be the king of transitions, okay? Yeah. Um Obviously, you know, this is a weird year for New Year's Eve. Um, Mm -hmm. Responsible people are going to party in their own households without other people around. Very likely, people will do a lot of streaming. Probably, you know, some some Zoom hangout parties or whatever, maybe some Discord whatevers. Um, So I thought it would be cool this year for our, you know, last episode of the year to talk about New Year's Eve and talk about traditions around that, especially food traditions, obviously, and talk about some ways to celebrate without, you know, other people around necessarily, Mm -hmm. while still staying in the spirit of it and staying, you know... Keep keeping it fun and keeping it engaging without necessarily having to have a thousand people over. Um, and so I put it out there on Facebook, the long-winded rambly intro, um, that I wanted to know about my Facebook friends' um, various New Year's Eve food traditions. And you were, in fact, the first person to comment leaving uh, information about yours. Uh, and so I wanted to talk to you about it because I was like, oh, crap, that sounds fun and cool. Let's talk about it. Um, so yeah, Andrew, what is your weird new year's eve food tradition sure yeah so i'll, I'll what i answered and, and i'll i'll disc- add a little disclaimer here i don't know how common this is uh, across the americas if you will so my family always growing up it was always a thing to eat uh pork chops and sauerkraut uh german sauerkraut on new year's day specifically new year's day um, new year's day okay yeah um, that was that's that's the whole that's the whole deal. Um, my mom would always make it, and it was uh, sometimes in the slow cooker, um, but sometimes it would just be like the bagged sauerkraut or whatever. Uh, but yeah, that was like always our defined New Year's Day dinner. I'll tell you, growing up, so you're gonna hear. Um, if if you want to ever talk about the finer points of Western Pennsylvania cuisine, you've 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 got a lot of it uh, already from from uh, our our mutual friend Matt, obviously. But yeah, so that that's definitely like a like a Western PA. I think it's like a Midwest America kind of thing. Mm. Um, usually, like if you go around the grocery stores, like anytime between Christmas and and New Year's Eve, you'll just see bags of sauerkraut. Like they just it just shows up. Mm. Um, I don't the know idea, where it comes from. The idea of sauerkraut in a bag is kind of horrifying to me. Yeah, it's it's not <laughs> great. It's not great. It's also one of those things like I don't know that I would ever like kind of like coleslaw where it's like I don't I don't want to be bothered to make it. 
you know like sure. i'm i'm personally okay with but but still the delivery device is one of those ways you just you just kind of ignore it and move on yeah yeah and and i so i know um i, I asked a few other folks um from like ohio and, and other areas around the midwest and and it's definitely a thing so i don't know how widespread it is sure. it might be just like a midwest thing but but yeah i would imagine uh, i would imagine that it is at least as widespread as like German immigrants to North right. America are widespread, you it, know? That's that's kind of the thought, yeah. I mean, so Western Western PA is very, very um, heavily influenced by German culture. There's, there is a huge, uh, the Pennsylvania Dutch, uh, they're called, were um, the first kind of like, or, or major batch of German immigrants mm-hmm. uh, that settled the Western PA area. So there's, there's huge German and Polish influences everywhere. Um, Kilbasa, kielbasa and sauerkraut in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. is is definitely just like a like a main course. Like people, I know we didn't do it a lot. My mom, my mom was never a big kielbasa fan mm-hmm. or kabasi as uh, Pittsburghers will call oh, it. Oh God, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's the whole thing. Uh, but I know like a lot of friends growing up, like kielbasa and sauerkraut or kielbasa and pierogies and sauerkraut was like a thing that people had regularly. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I grew up eating that a lot too. Montreal doesn't specifically have a huge, um, like, German population or whatever. Um, And I, so so I have a weird family history, which is that I, my entire childhood, I guess, was, like, told that I'm Hungarian. And, like, (laughs) to an extent, I'm Hungarian in that my grandparents met in Hungary and got Mm. married in Austria while fleeing the communists and moved to Canada. Um, And like, I think my grandparents were both born in Hungary, but my grandpa's family was German immigrants to Hungary. And my grandma's family were Austrian immigrants to Hungary. So I'm like, I'm like Hungarian by way of Austria and Germany. Right. That Uh, (laughs) that's really funny. Um, My, my wife's background is actually similar. Her family, um, her mom's side of her family claims to be Austrian Hungarian. Right. But today they would be uh, Slovak or okay. from the uh, Czech Republic. I believe. Right. Yeah, that's it. I mean, like, honestly, like the whole thing with like that kind of chunk of Europe is that there's been so yeah. much kind of, you know, everybody comes and goes and there were so many political reasons for it over the years. Right, that right, it's right. sort of a mishmash. Um, but all this to say my, my food culture growing up was like, you know, uh, a heavy combination of German, Austrian, and Hungarian. And uh, so for me, like, you know, yeah, kielbasa and sauerkraut is like, it's it's beautiful. It's a great combination. I have never heard of it being done for New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Okay, well, that's that. I feel a little bit validated that clearly it is like a thing then. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I I love like knowing about sort of regional traditions around that because in my mind, New Year's Eve food is very like dependent from family to family almost. Um, and maybe mm-hmm. that's just because I grew up like the neighborhood I grew up in is like relatively diverse. And like, I have yeah. friends who like are from varying backgrounds and it's like not as much of a homogenous culture, I guess. And so like even just putting it out there on Facebook to ask like, you know, who on mm-hmm. my friends list has traditions around this? Like, I don't think a single person from Montreal had a super, you know, detailed answer to that beyond like hors d'oeuvres, which is pretty vague. Yeah. And and if you were to ask me specifically, and, and this is me realizing that maybe I read the question wrong and that's okay. We're friends, so it's yeah, fine. Yeah, we're good. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, New Year's Eve, like my answer would be the same. It was like, whatever, like my mom may, might make spaghetti, but usually like we would, we were the family that would go out to like Applebee's, you know, <laughs> sure, <laughs> like, yeah. for New Year's Eve. And, and that was like the once, once in a blue moon, my mom would get a white wine spritzer or a wine cooler for to drink, you know, at six p.m. Just when she's feeling fancy, she needs done. Oh yeah, yeah, baby. Hey, you go to that Red Lobster, you're you're <laughs> you're getting ready for a party. <laughs> you know it. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. No, I um for me, like when I think about you know New Year's food, um, so I think you did misunderstand the question. Just just kind of you know elephant in the room i think you you yeah. read it as new year's day mm-hmm. food yeah yeah um so but, but you know what new year's eve and new year's day are pretty like linked to each other honestly yeah um i think that there is a lot of spillover in terms of like the things that we eat <laughs> between the two yeah. partly because you know 
I think a lot of people are either hungover or tired from staying up all night on New Year's Day, so they don't yep. necessarily want to like cook, and there might be leftovers from the night before. But also because like you know the whole thing with New Year's Eve is that you stay up to watch the day turn over, right? And mm-hmm. so like I would argue that New Year's Day and New Year's Eve are the same thing you know they're two sides of the same coin they really are more so than any other like i don't think any other holiday really has that where you know you like christmas eve is is its own thing it's not christmas it's day it's it's christmas eve but new year's eve is the holiday and and new year's day is is just the the blowback yeah Um, exactly you know and, and and like like a holiday that's based on partying I think it's just as important, and this is where this is where I redeem myself with the segues. I think it's just <laughs> as important to have a tradition that uh, that's you know reclaiming some of the lost, some of the sadness from, <laughs> that you've lost from the previous night. Right. Um, and and I'll tell you my best experiences with with this dish on New Year's Day is just that, like me being in fraternity house and just being fucking destroyed, and and like. And I'll tell you, there is something beautiful with, and, and I think this is definitely like, I mean, we we can get into it in a bit, but like you know, sauerkraut's a very obviously like a very um, distinctive taste and kind sure. of divisive food. I personally am one of one of those people. Like, I love pungent flavors and right. like what I would call offensive tastes. <laughs> but sure, but, yeah, <laughs> right. But like, no more no more so than when I'm super hungover. So there is something to be said, like it's 11 a.m. and you just you just taste vomit and you go in your slow cooker and you just get like, you just slop in that that yellow stinky cabbage and it, oh my God, it smells uh, uh, heavenly. It just, it's so good. Like that grease that just kind of, that fermentation, you know? Totally. Little, little hair of the dog. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it feels real good. I mean, it, it is good hangover food. Yeah, I, I think there's something to that. Like, I, I don't know if anyone has, like, done research on this or whatever, but I feel like fermented and, like, to, to some extent, you know, any sort of food that has, by virtue of the way that it's been, like, cooked or prepared, gotten an increase to its shelf life, you know, whether that's, like, something yeah. canned or, or pickled or whatever. Like, it makes sense to me that something like that would be a good hangover cure because like it's it's already had it done to itself that it's been like saved you know (laughs) and so like if the fermentation (laughs) if the if the lactic acid that builds up in the raw cabbage in your slow cooker and and turns it you know into sauerkraut can prolong the shelf life of the the cabbage then certainly Mm -hmm. it can also prolong your shelf life as a human being right (laughs) right you're fermenting yourself yeah exactly through the the alcohol that's already collected in your gut and the the salt from the the stinky cabbage that's it i love that but i also think that the the other kind of side of that coin is like you know with new year's food i think like you know, beyond the sort of like hors d'oeuvres and and appetizers and charcuterie or whatever you want to have on the table New Year's Eve, the the sort of food traditions around sort of the turning of the year tend to be very focused on like, you know, okay, like what stuff we want going into the the new year, right? Or what's Mm -hmm. something we need to like leave behind in the old year and like look forward to in the new year or whatever. And uh, I think that food that, (laughs) so something like sauerkraut, like, you don't really want to make sauerkraut and eat it the same day, right? You kind of you kind of want to like let it ferment a bit, right? Let me be clear, I've never fermented sauerkraut. So I, again, let's use the example the aforementioned like you buy it in a bag. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when you buy it in a bag, it, it You're just has... warming it up. Yeah, exactly. But it's been yeah. it's been fermented. The more the point that I'm making is in order to ferment something, it has to take some time, oh, right? Absolutely. It has to have that breakdown before it becomes delicious and there's there's a period in between you starting the sauerkraut process and you eating the sauerkraut where you don't want to eat it and it's kind of bad and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. exactly and i think that's a really nice metaphor for the turning over of a new year because 2020 has been a shit show for <laughs> a variety of reasons and you know I, I mean honestly i've had a lot of like personal good things happen this year but i'm willing to recognize that like that is probably not the case for a lot of people and that in the like larger picture 2020 has been not great and i think that looking at 2020 as you know 
all of the bullshit has been thrown into the slow cooker and we're going to start fermenting the, the cabbage <laughs> that is 2020 so that in 2021 we can open it up and slap it on a plate with some sausages and eat it mm. and it will be delicious because we will have gotten through that you know i love that that's such, that's such a good positive outlook metaphor i'm gonna hold on to that if you don't mind absolutely this uh this rotten stink cabbage of a year <laughs> um okay so so coming to the sort of uh the question of how do we keep you know new year's eve this year a type of celebration even if we can't do what we would normally do what uh what do you think what what do you guys have planned for this year yeah so uh, what a question we're uh, truth be told we're still you know trying to figure all that out i think uh i've been making the joke so for for years um we've kind of like we've been you know, not trying to get out of holidays, but I've always been like, oh, it'd be so nice if we could just, you know, do our own thing this Christmas. And so I've been making the joke like this was the monkey's paw wish where like, oh, now, now what are you going to do, losers? You know, um, so it, we, we, we didn't do Thanksgiving, right? And we probably aren't going to do Christmas. Like we might meet a parent halfway. Um, New Year's is one of those things where, I don't know if this is uniquely your experience, but like, you know, New Year's is always felt to me kind of like a to-do it's just like oh what are we gonna do like sure. we gotta make sure that we're somewhere so we aren't home but it, it always ends up being like a very fine night right like you you know you you, you watch the ball you count down but, but other than that i mean you're you're usually in a party you're at a party with people you don't know maybe you're at a party with whatever so i i think this is going to be an experiment in like are we okay with the idea of just being home and mm. like not making a thing of it and and maybe that's okay you know i right. it is always a to-do and it always is like one of those like like fear missing out things so it'll be an interesting exercise to be like we are not missing anything let's just let's just chill and do our own thing i don't know what, what about you what are you yeah what are you guys i i think that 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 honestly like yeah i i think that when you are no longer in a place in your life where going to a party on New Year's Eve is exciting. Because mm -hmm. I think that, like, you know, when I was younger, like, I always wanted to go to a thing where I could be with a bunch of fun people and stay up past midnight, right? That was yeah. always really appealing to me. Until I hit maybe, like, 23, when I was like, you know what? I'd rather not. And got to a point where yeah. I was like, I'm gonna, you know, invite people over, and however many people show up are welcome to stay until midnight, and then I will kick them out at like twelve twenty, and yeah. go to bed. <laughs> right. And um, since having kids, honestly, like we, yeah. what we have done the past couple of years is uh, invite a, a few people over, keep it small, and tell everyone that like, well, the kids have got to go to bed around nine. You know, we usually put them to bed earlier, but it's a special occasion. So they've got to go to mm -hmm. bed around nine. So we're going to kick you out at nine. So why not come by for, you know, hors d'oeuvres, appetizers, whatever, for a couple of hours from like, you know, six to nine and then leave and you can go to whatever party you want at that point. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll just enjoy the last three hours of the year as a family, put the kids to bed, maybe go to sleep early. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so in that respect, like our New Year's Eve is not going to be all that different this year because we're just not going to have any people over. Um, right, right, right. But like, I think for me, the the way that I want to kind of preserve what we usually do is that I want to have a lot of the same foods, you know, because I think that that is like, that is the thing that no matter how many people are present, you can do it, you know? Yeah, totally. I, I like that. I, I totally agree with you on that I, I have a couple friends who are in a similar position where we've done the we've been the hey let's go over to xyz friends with kids and hang out for a bit and uh honestly experience has shown that the the parents are the ones that usually end up getting the craziest but <laughs> you know i think that's gonna vary from <laughs> case to case yeah <laughs> um we we did my wife and i did talk about the idea of like let's just make something that is absolutely insane like that like a like a dish that's going to take two days to make you know right where we like create our make our own bone broth or you know something insane where smoke our own meats or, or something that's just going to take an insane amount of time and uh something that just us are going to work just the two of us are going to enjoy I love and that. uh so we're, we're definitely we're, we're actively searching for for what that recipe might be i think that's so much fun i uh, i think there there's something and actually not to talk about matt again but matt and i <laughs> talked about this a little bit last time he was on this idea that like 
taking time to make something that's really just for the people who are eating it is such a beautiful thing. It's mm-hmm. it's there's something really nice about just saying like okay like I'm gonna I'm not gonna invite a bunch of people over for this I'm not even necessarily gonna post this on Instagram I'm just gonna make this for me um, I think is really there's something really healing about that and I yeah. think doing that like yeah I think doing that at the end of the year is like I, I think that's really cool I uh, I'd be curious to find out what you guys end up making I love the idea of smoking your own yeah. meat I don't know if the weather <laughs> will the weather know. handle it. Yeah, I'd probably it, we don't have the tools to do it like in an efficient way. Sure. Uh, so outside of like tying up the oven for a long time, well, yeah. I'll think, we'll think of something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I've got that's the thing. Like, right? Like everyone's got a thousand cookbooks that they never use. Like yeah. I have all these cookbooks that <laughs> I, every time I look through them, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to. That's so much effort, you know. So it's, it's definitely one of those things. Have you thought about um, you could do like uh, <laughs> you could make pho. You could do like a. You could start the broth like tonight. And, I, you know, I totally would. Uh, unfortunately, my partner he, uh, eats like uh, as though they were a ten-year-old. So um, <laughs> I have to, I have to <laughs> limit all of my our food options to what is something a ten-year-old would eat, which is chicken fingers <laughs> and other <laughs> and other brown foods that are not vegetable-based. <laughs> I mean, with a pho, like you could, you could, yeah, totally, you know put some some pre-cooked chicken and noodles into a bowl and then pour the broth over that and pretend it's chicken noodle soup dino nug pho <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> alphabets but with oh that's not the that's not the one that's in a can that's alphagetti there we go alphagetti <laughs> just, just hot wet cereal yeah oh yuck yeah oh man yeah no i think uh we're probably gonna do like um we're both real big on charcuterie, you know, meats and cheeses. Oh, hell yeah. And yeah. I, uh, I always have to get a shrimp ring. Um, but this year, so like Teffer doesn't eat shrimp and I don't know okay. if, I don't know if the kids will eat shrimp. So if I get a shrimp ring this year, I'm taking a gamble. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause oh, I might yeah, have yeah, to yeah. like, you, you might founder yourself on shrimp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Big, big, Tom's big, big shrimp outing. <laughs> yeah. I think if I have to eat a whole shrimp ring in a night, I'll die. I, uh, wow. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, but like, yeah, there are worse ways to die, right? Oh yeah. I mean, if I've got to die, yeah. <laughs> look. If if I have to only live till twenty twenty and yeah. die at the end of this year, I'd rather it be death by shrimp ring than death by COVID. Fuck right. I mean, it, that's what a rad epitaph. Like they died doing what they love, just gorging themselves on shrimp. <laughs> rad epitaph is my favorite comedy movie director. Yep, there it is. There we go. Got it. Nailed it. Yeah. Boom. Oh my god! Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I'm gonna see if I can find like a tiny shrimp ring. Like, see if I can get one that's like individual size, right? A with personal pan sh- shrimp ring. Yeah, like a shot glass of marinara or <laughs> cocktail sauce or whatever. Um, yeah. And then you know you've got to get the like the like crappy frozen boxed uh, appetizer mix. You yeah. know, mini quiches of varying flavors and quality. Maybe. And, uh, a little a little Spanish tapas night. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Four different kinds of olives, but really you only like the one, but you're going to eat all four anyway because it's there. Yeah. Because they're hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a quantity, not a quality play. <laughs> Actually, uh, on the like having too many cookbooks thing, um, I challenged myself, uh, you know, when I started this show i was like i'm gonna start like getting cookbooks and like actually actively working on things from them um mm. and i picked up um iron chef alex guernicelli's new cookbook <laughs> uh, not that long ago um nice. called uh, cook with me and it's beautiful it's a beautiful book and it's all like real cozy food like it's all stuff that's mm. like you know either dishes that like her parents would make when she was growing up or stuff that she like cooks with her oh, kid like yeah it's really nice it's really homey of course it's you know icag so all of it is like <laughs> batshit versions of of all sure. of these cozy meals and it's like sure here's a here's my version of mac and cheese that's gorgeous and i got a yeah, professional yeah. photographer to take the photo but like the heart of it is like very home cooking 
And um, so I, I was like, oh, I want to make something from this. And there's a, you know, pigs in a blanket recipe in there. <laughs> and uh, boy, oh boy, I don't know if I sent you this photo, but I'll post it to Instagram soon because uh, yikes. Um, and <laughs> you can go find that on Instagram at Tom Zalat. And I, um, I tried making pigs in a blanket and I've got a side by side of the, the two photos there because um, uh, hers look beautiful and mine look not beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Did here's the question though did it taste like pigs in a bank in a blanket they did they were delicious i just didn't get a good enough bake on the pastry Mm -hmm. and i like slightly overcooked the hot dogs themselves somehow at the same time (laughs) um so you had it's like pigs in a hot pocket (laughs) yeah i mean i don't even know it's 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 clearly pigs in a blanket and i think that if i wasn't looking at it side by side with her photo i just sent this to you on messenger by the way if i wasn't looking at them side by side i would be like these are perfectly adequate um but yikes <laughs> they yeah uh, i mean yeah. they look they look perfectly fine yeah. just not compared against the you know the, the <laughs> image professional i mean I, I would definitely eat those so yeah well that's whatever. it like, they were good but yeah so so in the spirit of you know hors d'oeuvres and thanksgiving or thanksgiving mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> in the spirit of you know hors d'oeuvres appetizers new year's eve food i'm definitely going to be trying that recipe a second time uh yeah. for new year's eve this year to see if i can yeah. you know, get it right this time in the interest of fun anecdotes related to new year's eve i'll i'll leave you with a, a fun little so our, our story about our very first attempt at doing like fancy new year's sure. um so it was 2012 i think it was like the year before we got married um because we got married fairly young um so it was like right out of college, right? And it was like, okay, we're adults now. We're going to have fancy New Year's Eve and invite a bunch of people, yada, yada, yada. And uh, people who know um, Jess, my wife, you know, she, like one of the things that she loves the most is hosting people and like just doing parties. Like she loves throwing parties. Sure. Um, and, and the preparation, like, she, which is great because like we have very, you know, comparable or comparable was the word I'm looking for. We we have very uh, agreeable skills. Like this is not something that I can do. But <laughs> sure, you know, yeah. she'll she'll set out all the plateware and be like, and have like this like masterful plan. And and I'm just like, tell me what vegetables to cut. Like I can't I can't do it. You know? <laughs> um. Anyway, so we one of the things she wanted to do was these little like grilled cheeses. We see these at weddings all the time, right? You get like little grilled cheeses with the the shot glass of tomato soup or whatever. Yeah. So in in, in the interest of trying to do that with a with a college grad budget, um. We just did like just had like a bunch of cans of tomato soup and and uh, I don't know how it happened but you know long story short it was about 7:30 p.m. and we had a series of events led to three unopened cans of tomato soup sitting on the uh, electric range and the oven certainly wasn't on when they were put there um, but again through a series of events those three <laughs> cans exploded because oh, no. they got overheated so uh, this this new apartment that we had just moved into um, six months later I was still scraping off tomato like dried tomato soup from the ceiling and it was like that like 90s era like drip paint kind of ceiling sure. so like imagine just rubbing like a magic water a magic eraser against this like drip paint ceiling for four hours on end yeah uh, we had uh, we had a molten molten tomato soup surprise uh, the first one exploded in the kitchen the second one, like as soon as we saw it, I ran over to try to like, you know, quell the disaster. Sure. So she grabs, she grabbed the second can to like throw it in the sink. Um, unfortunately, it exploded while it was like during all of this, so it exploded <laughs> on my arm. So I had like lava hot oh my God. tomato soup all there. <laughs> like, second degree burns from from fucking tomato soup. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the third, so the third one hadn't popped off yet, so it was like, get it out of here, get it out of here. So uh, we took it in a, like a covered saucepan and just like threw it into the snow because <laughs> it snowed the previous night. Um, <laughs> there was there was a a uh, a finally popped like in the snow, but we only knew that because we found it four months later when all of the snow had right. melted and it was like dug up. <laughs> it was like half open canned tomato soup. Oh my god! Yeah, so that was uh, that was the aftermath of uh, our first <laughs> New Year's party. 
That's horrifying. <laughs> Did not get that security deposit back. In case no, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so like in a similar vein of leaving things on the stove and having them explode. My last apartment, my roommate Sam and I, um, we didn't have a kettle because uh, when we moved in, neither of us had a kettle and we didn't get around to buying one, you know, because we were in our early 20s and you know, you, you do what you got to do. Uh, but Sam was a big tea drinker. And so anytime he wanted tea, <laughs> he would boil, you know, a little saucepan on the stove. Totally fine. <laughs> totally reasonable way to boil water for your tea. But one time he forgot that he was boiling water for his tea and left oh. the room. And I'm like in the other room getting some work done. And I smell something that smells like it's kind of burning a little bit. And I'm like, huh, I should go check on that probably. <laughs> and uh, I get into the kitchen and uh, the saucepan is on fire because oh, no. the water had all evaporated and it had just kept <laughs> burning. <laughs> Oh, shit. Um, and how uh, long was it on there? I guess long enough, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean that—that's got to take a little time to. I think Oof. he was napping. I think he started boiling okay. water and then went and took a nap. I don't remember. Maybe he got sucked into music yeah. or something. Uh, <laughs> but it was regardless. Uh, yeah. It was uh, real exciting because I then, oh, um, God. you know, proceeded to put that fire out by um, grabbing the flaming pan carrying it over to the sink and running cold water onto it. Right. Which uh, is not necessarily the way to put out a fire. <laughs> it's a way. It's a way. Um, so is it safe to assume that that pan did not make it out of out alive? I still have that pan. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. Well, it's, it's definitely got some flavor charting to it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, no, it could have been worse, but it was uh, yeah. not good. That was the same apartment where I started a grease fire once and somehow put it out with water, a thing that you're super <laughs> duper not supposed to do. It's like the one thing they tell you not to do. Yep. Cool. Uh, so everyone, be safe with your ovens um, this, this New Year's, I guess is our question. advice. Yeah. No, question. This is an important question. Did you get the security deposit back? Uh, we didn't put a security deposit down because we got it on a lease transfer. <laughs> perfect yep although when we moved out the uh superintendent of the building like told us that they would have to like repaint a couple of things and like i moved out a month before he did and he left a bunch of stuff and the superintendent was like they're gonna like the the building owners are gonna charge you for like removing all of this uh if you want i'll do it today and then you won't have to worry about it but you'd have to pay me and he was offering us 50 dollars less than he said they were gonna charge us and uh hmm. I was like, you know what? Uh, I'll take the risk. And they never called us. <laughs> so <laughs> saved $200. Nice. Yep. Well, Andrew, thanks so much for uh, for joining yeah. me on this one. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm uh, sorry I totally effed up your podcast and read your question wrong, but I'm but I'm glad we were able to to make it work. You know what? There's no such thing because uh, I record the intro to these episodes after the entire episode has been recorded. So... Perfect. So it was oh, it was intentional the whole time. This episode was about New Year's entirely. <laughs> <laughs> All encompassing. People know. Um, before I let you go, do you have anything you want to plug and or any final thoughts on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, the food thereof, etc.? Listeners to Up for Discussion have you've heard us talk about debate this a thousand times. You don't need me to hear me plug. What you need to hear me to say is to really advocate for sauerkraut. I, I don't feel as though I, I gave it enough credit. Um, sauerkraut is, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite foods, but it is my favorite condiment. And here's the reason why is sauerkraut is is terrible, stinky cabbage by itself, whatever. But put on potatoes, put on top of uh, pork, put on top of sausage, kielbasa, put on top of pierogies, put on top of any literally anything. It is absolutely delicious. So uh, advocate, try using just sauerkraut. Don't want to do pork and sausage. Just just try a little sauerkraut. New Year's Day. It'll help cure that hangover right away. Yeah, I like that. Eat a New Year's Day. The hangover will go away. Yep. Let's get some of that, that delicious vinegary stink cabbage. Have a little kraut after you go out hey look at that that's like a that's like a real that'd be like a real ad campaign yeah yeah i'll i'll second that sauerkraut is great you gotta get good sauerkraut yeah but but it's good <laughs> when it's yeah. good it's good yeah yeah i'm so um, skeezed out by the idea of sauerkraut in a bag i'm sorry and uh if you ever if you ever make it to uh columbus ohio uh there's an awesome german restaurant called schmidt's 
that they make fantastic sauerkraut. Ooh. So we'll plug. There's your plug. That's uh, <laughs> honestly like when this whole ordeal is over, now that you guys have a president who who I don't think is going to like kill people that I care about anytime soon. Well, we'll see. We don't have a great track record as a yeah, country. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> but now that there's not a Nazi as president. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, I mean, I guess there still is. When does the, it turns over, like mid-January? Um, well, as of recording, the Electoral College just voted. So in the interest of, <laughs> in, the, in the world of news that should not be news, uh, Biden is officially president elect. There we go. Finally. Uh, January, right? Uh January 20th is uh, is the official date. Okay. So still premature, but it, what I'm yeah. saying is now that I have any desire to go to the US once the <laughs> once this whole pandemic is yeah. over, uh coming down to visit you guys in Ohio oh, is yeah. definitely like top of my list. Oh man, we will we will show you a good time. Yeah, you will. <laughs> That sounded dirty. I really just mean I want to eat at all the places nah, that Guy Fieri goes to. I meant, I meant it exactly how it said. Oh. Podcast over. <laughs> something, something, kielbasa. Uh, <laughs> where can people find you if they want to find you? Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at AR Henderson, um, or you can just see me on uh, on all debate debate this channels, debate this cast on all social and uh, twitch.tv slash debate this cast. Go listen to it. It's good. I'm... Uh, guesting on some stuff the D Ds specifically oh, yeah i'm so excited to hear how uh part two comes out <laughs> me too all right <laughs> cool well thanks man i'll uh, i'll talk to you soon bye tom have a good night see ya all right it's mid-roll time we're in the mid-roll. We're, we're in the mid-roll. Here we go. Before we get to the second half of our show, I want to invite you to consider supporting me on Patreon. For those of you who might not know, Patreon is a crowdfunding platform that lets creators, like me, work directly with my listeners, like you, to create the best possible content at the lowest possible cost. The long and short of it is you can head to patreon.com slash up for discussion to learn all about it, and you can pledge me a dollar a month to get all sorts of fantastic perks as a result. If you don't want to support me financially, that's totally fine. You can also support me for free, which is very cool and nice to do, by leaving a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice, or by sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating or review we get on Apple Podcasts specifically this month, I'm going to be donating $2 to the Depot Community Food Center, which is my local food bank here in NDG in Montreal. So um, please go leave a rating or review on Apple podcast if you haven't already. You can help me help them make a difference this holiday season. Now, I promised I'd share some of my own New Year's food traditions and ways to celebrate on a budget. For me, New Year's Eve is maybe the most exciting party of the year. I always go all out and spend most of the day making snacks and hors d'oeuvres, and I invite all my close friends over to share tasty food, and we celebrate making it through another year together, and then we kick everybody out around 9pm to go to other parties because we have kids and we like to go to bed at a reasonable hour. It's great. Everybody's like, oh man, like... I never know how to choose which party to go to, but they always come to ours because ours ends earlier than every other one. So like you can guarantee your friends will make an appearance because they know that they can leave at some point and they won't be rude for going to another party and they get to show up to that party fashionably late. It's it's a flawless system. I highly recommend it if you're someone who likes to be done with New Year's Eve by 9 p.m. like I am. Obviously, this year is going to be pretty different since we can't invite people over and celebrate all together and since I'm actually working on Thursday at the pizza place until 8 p.m. Sidebar, if you're an NDG and want a delicious pizza to ring in the new year, please come pick one up from me at Mama Sophia on the 31st. I'm going to be there all day. I'll make it extra special for you. Um, Anyway, I wanted to share some of the foods that are essential to my own New Year's Eve party spread. For me, it's all about having lots of finger foods that hit a nice balance of sweet and savory. So, you know, you've got your cookies because you've got a lot of cookies this time of year, but you also have things like pickles, olives, cheese, and crackers. Those are all a must. Now, if you're short on cash like I am most of the time, you can get jarred or canned pickles and olives, and those are a fantastic snack. You can get a wide variety of them for less than 10 bucks. You can set them out in your fanciest tiny bowls. Nobody's going to question it because, you know, it'll look nice. You've got a spread, right? Even if your spread is six different kinds of olives in in nice bowls, they're just going to see the bowls and they're going to be like, wow, look at all these olives. That's awesome. If you have a little extra money, I love making pigs in a blanket. I've shared this on my Instagram, but I recently bought Alex Gornichelli's new cookbook, Cook With Me, and she's got a really nice recipe in there for pigs in a blanket with a fantastic dipping sauce to go along with them. Uh, I loved it. I loved the dipping sauce. My puff pastry did not turn out great, but I loved the dipping sauce. If you want something a little bit easier and I think a little cheaper, Pillsbury Crescent Rolls are a great substitute for puff pastry. And actually, my kids didn't really like the puff pastry. They prefer the Crescent Rolls. So, you know, it might be worth doing that instead. It's a little cheaper and easier to make. 
but the dip man you got to make a dip you got to make like a like a spicy mustard to dip them in i promise you it will be a game changer the only other thing i think is essential to a good new year's eve party for me at least is a shrimp ring i love grabbing a barely thawed shrimp dipping it in cocktail sauce and shoving it in my dirty face hole i could eat a shrimp ring for hours now a shrimp ring can be made slightly cheaper if you like buy the shrimp and clean it and cook it and devein them yourself and make your own sauce but that is a lot of work for shrimp ring so in this case i think actually just getting a prefab one is probably your best bet um but you know if you're someone who really likes to get intimately acquainted with shrimp (laughs) do your thing you know clean out that vein yourself not my thing not into it So I was curious about what my friends did to celebrate New Year's Eve, and I posted to Facebook asking about their food traditions. That's actually how Andrew ended up on this episode in the first place. So I wanted to share a few of them here in this episode. Haranova said, Some Russians have salad parties, and in particular eat a salad called herring under a coat. I looked it up and also asked for a little bit more information. Basically, it's a pretty loose definition of salad, but it sounds kind of awesome if you're into herring and beetroot and stuff. Uh, And I thought it was really interesting because it seems like Russian salad, in air quotes again, uh, is a lot like Midwestern salad, which is to say that it's kind of anything slathered in mayonnaise. Um, So, you know, shout out to Russia for being the European version of the Midwest, I guess. I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, Kendall and Aldridge said people in the South sometimes like to eat black-eyed peas for good luck. I love this because I love black-eyed peas and Southern cooking in general, but I also really love the idea of eating specific types of food for good luck. Um, I talked to my grandpa uh, last week because uh, he saw this post and he was like, I couldn't figure out how to leave a comment, so I just wanted to call you and tell you about this. And it turns out that a lot of his um, Hungarian food traditions around New Year's Eve involve eating foods that are like coin shaped specifically so you know things like um lentils or um i guess even chocolate coins i'm blanking on examples right now but you know things that are kind of round in shape because they look like coins and that symbolizes good fortune going into the new year uh and i thought that was kind of cool and i like the idea of black eyed peas as another one of those things because they are kind of coin shaped i mean they're they're beans you know they're they're small and round and you could fill a bag with them and pretend it's change i don't know i don't know where i'm going with this anyway i love that idea i love that Seth Day said his family's tradition was to eat TGI Friday's frozen loaded potato skins. I've never had those, but that sounds amazing. I love a loaded potato skin. Um, and you could actually probably make this from scratch if you live somewhere where potatoes are like relatively cheap. Um, loaded potato skins are delicious and not that hard to make at home, so I would love to add that to my traditions. Maybe I'll make that this year. Caroline Sandor, my Hungarian classmate from high school, echoed my sentiments about pigs in a blanket and also mentioned uh, a Hungarian New Year's Eve tradition that you're not supposed to eat fish or chicken because your luck will swim away or the chicken will dig up the treasures and take it away from you. Uh, And that's actually something my grandpa said as well, which is kind of fun. Uh, He also mentioned, uh, in addition to the lentil soup thing, that a lot of Hungarians eat a food called koshonya which I'm probably butchering because I don't speak Hungarian, Um, but it's basically a pork aspic. Uh, I think I'm going to skip that one because I'm not a huge gelatin person uh, and I'm not at all a huge fan of the idea of pork gelatin. It's, I don't know, there's something about it for me. Not the most appealing. If someone served it to me, I would try it, but I'm probably not going to go out of my way to make it myself. I do love the idea of eating pork for New Year's Eve to symbolize, you know, pigs dig up truffles, truffles are valuable. So if you eat pork, you're bringing fortune into the new year hungarians really like money i guess i don't know this was not a stereotype i knew about us but apparently it's our thing who knew i really like this common theme that i've been seeing pop up in a lot of these answers of eating food that symbolizes wealth and good fortune and good things going into a new year because i think that with how 2020 went down we'd all maybe be wise to eat a lot of superstitious foods going into the new year just to improve our odds of 2021 being better you know you know maybe we should add wearing a mask and getting a vaccine to our new year's traditions but eating round foods as a symbolic gesture is at least a step in the right direction So before we wrap the show, I wanted to share a couple of my highlights from 2020 and my goals for 2021. Like I said at the top of the show, this year was actually one of a lot of growth for me, Um, but I think the biggest highlight was that I was finally able to dive into podcasting full-time in a big way, a thing that I've frankly wanted to do for years, but I never felt secure enough to do it. Um, I've always been kind of envious of people who can just recklessly say, like, I'm quitting my job or I'm dropping out of school to just focus on being a creator full-time without having like a safety net. I have never been able to do that, and uh, (laughs) well, losing my job and then having the government tell me it's okay here's some stimulus money like that kind of gave me the safety net i needed to focus on stuff this year and uh that's been really awesome 
frankly. It's It's been really nice to have that excuse, you know? So that's been kind of the main highlight for me is getting to really grow professionally this year during a time that feels like it should be stagnant. The show celebrated 300 episodes last month, which is a crazy, crazy thing to think about because it means that I've definitely put at least a thousand hours of work into this podcast alone, and I've got several others that I've also worked on over the years. So, like, I think I'm maybe reaching like Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours levels of podcasting excellence here, which is wild to think about because I definitely only sort of feel like I know what I'm doing, but hey. That's how it goes sometimes. Yay, imposter syndrome. What else happened in 2020? I launched my Dungeons & Dragons podcast, Natural Toonie, where I get to have an amazing time playing D&D with my friends and DMing for the first time ever, which is a thing that I was worried I would be bad at, but it turns out I actually love and am decent at, because it's basically just improv and storytelling, which are two things that I, like, I don't know, took a lot of classes in and I'm decent at, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I've gotten to watch my kids grow up and, frankly, handle this pandemic better than most of the adults in my life, like our seven-year-old, seven crazy right our seven-year-old loves to just like chill didn't have any trouble not seeing friends over the summer and like apart from you know being seven and forgetting masks a lot of the time on on the way back from school has really handled this like <laughs> just so stinking well um and our two-year-old is two and exhausting and you know it's so nice getting to to spend kind of every waking moment with my toddler which is not a thing that a lot of people get to do um because you know parental leave even in socialist canada is kind kind of a joke. Um, and But with this pandemic and not sending him to daycare, I have gotten to spend just kind of every waking moment with Toby. And it's really wonderful getting to watch this little guy grow up and be a person. He's he's learning new words and phrases constantly. Th this morning he woke up and said, drubbly lop pop, which I eventually figured out meant that he wanted to watch Jeopardy on a laptop. So I, you know, I set that up for him over breakfast. Why not? Um, but again, this is one of those things that 2020 took from us, right? Is Alex Trebek, which is a bummer and I don't know I don't know if I'm ever going to really recover from that like devastating loss frankly that's that's rough um wow that took a turn <laughs> Back to positive things. I've gotten to watch my partner Teffer pass 100 episodes of the Yeah podcast, which is amazing. Uh, and I also got to watch Teffer get settled into a really great and fulfilling job, which is uh, wonderful. I don't know if you've ever gotten to see someone you love get a job that they love, but that's a really nice feeling. <laughs> Surprise. It's nice to see the people you care about get good things. Who knew? Uh, I got to start a part-time job at a pizza place that I absolutely love, and I'll remind you that if you come by on Thursday, I'll sell you a pizza that you can eat for New Year's Eve and make your house smell real good. Mama Sophia and NDG, look us up. Mostly this year has been about digging in my feet, making choices about creative projects and, and financial things, and trusting my gut and following through on stuff, and it's been really awesome feeling confident about that for the first time ever, which I think I <laughs> can really attribute massively to my anxiety meds, but also to the support that I get from my listeners and my patrons. And so I want to thank all of you listening for the kind words that you've given me this year for your financial support, for listening and engaging with the show. Uh, I've gotten a lot of really, really kind words since the show transitioned to being all about food. <laughs> like basically everyone has just like unanimously told me that this is much better, which uh, I really wish I'd thought of, you know, more than 300 episodes ago so that I could have just done this from the beginning. But you know what? Change can be slow sometimes. <laughs> and uh, I think that I am happy for it because I learned a lot along the way and this show is uh, so much better now and I love it. Uh, and so I want to thank you for that. And I also want to thank all of the other people who've phoned in for an episode of the show or sat around my table in pre-pandemic times and who've shared their thoughts and stories with me over the years. Um, it's It's been really humbling getting to build those relationships and and learn from people and grow with people and watch people grow you know you get guests who come in once in 2015 and then you talk to them five years later and they're doing amazing and you're like oh it's it's nice it's nice to see that you know i do specifically want to thank david hall jeremiah gittens kate bradley adrian schoen julian mckenzie simon peltier matt cole billy f and every other person who's made time on a regular basis to be part of this thing um, I, I could not make the show without you. <laughs> I could not make the show as good as it is without the people who I feel like are invested in it in any capacity just to, to be able to talk to on a weekly or biweekly or monthly basis and like check in with them and see how they're doing and just feel a connection as part of this. Because I think that especially 
in a year where we can't do things in person, it is really hard to feel connected to people. And so having some like regularity in that makes me feel like there are people that I'm still building relationships with instead of just making content with them, you know? And that's really important and really beautiful. Um, so I want to thank all of you for being part of that. It's uh, <laughs> It's been a real honor to get to do this with you and to be your friend honestly it it's weird we don't honor our friendships enough but i want to do that i want to honor my friendships and so i thank you for being them it's a weird sentence but i'm going with it (laughs) i'm really excited to be starting 2021 making more episodes of this show and talking more about the thing that i'm the most passionate about food and the way that we relate to it Uh, i have a lot of really cool stuff planned for the new year and i can't wait to share it all with you i've already started recording episodes for 2021 and like (laughs) it's just so good it's so fun uh if you have ideas for things that you want me to talk about please tell me there are so many ways to get in touch they're all in the description of this episode hit me up on social media leave a comment hell you want extra motivation to leave a rating and review on apple podcasts put a show topic episode show episode topic put a topic for an episode in your review (laughs) as a request and i will maybe even honor that because it's nice to get ratings and reviews i love making the show and i love making it for you um i don't really believe anymore in making new year's resolutions because i think that you know if there's something you want to do with your life you should just do it and and get on with it Um, but i do believe in going into the new year setting goals Uh, Because I think that that's something that you can do that's like marked, you know, like the best resolutions are the ones where you're like, I want to get X thing done by Y deadline. Um, So rather than making resolutions, I want to tell you about some of the goals that I have for 2021. My big goal this year is to start teaching podcasting classes and workshops. Um, So I've got a couple of things kind of in the works there that I'm hoping to be able to tell you about soon. Uh, I also want to start running some live streams, uh, not of any specific kind yet, but you know, we'll see. I like the idea of doing live stuff, but I've always had like horrible anxiety around it uh, and also a lot of technical difficulties. And now that my anxiety is a little bit more under wraps, I'm hoping maybe I can get the tech side of it worked out and start doing that a little bit more. Um, And my other goal is that I want to finally start writing a book. And I'm not going to tell you what that book is about because I have a couple of ideas floating around and my big problem is that I need to lock one down and start one thing. Um, But yeah, that's that's those are the things I want to do this year. I want to do classes, I want to do streams, and I want to write something. Uh, And I'm going to tell you all about each and every one of those things as they come more into fruition. But I have this policy against plugging things before they're concrete, because like, I don't like to hype something up and then have it not follow through. I think that's unprofessional and kind of shitty and and not like helpful for my audience. You know, like, I don't want you to get excited about something and then have it never exist. That's a bummer for you. I'd rather you be surprised when it does exist and excited about it then, you know? So rather than hype things up, I'm just going to put them out there into the pod space today so that you're like aware that there are things that I'm working on. And if you want to hold me accountable to them, please do, because I do my best work when I know other people are invested in it. But I'm not going to give you like concrete details until something is real because that is how I roll. I do my best work when I know that other people are invested in it and that is why I have been doing my best work here with this show since we changed format because it suddenly feels like people are invested in it and people keep telling me that they love it and are listening every week and they care about it and they enjoy it and they get joy out of it. So um, thank you for being one of those people for me. I'm assuming if you've listened this far into the episode you are one of those people who gets joy out of this because otherwise you would have turned this off a very long time ago. Um, I hope that you have people like that in your own life for your own things too. People who hold you accountable about stuff, people who get joy out of the things that you do, people who engage with the things that you do and generally just validate you as a person. I, I hope that you have that and I hope that you have loved ones around you in whatever capacity physically they can be. So that's it. Let's raise a glass of whatever your drink of choice is, in my case, probably a coffee or an Arnold Palmer, because I don't drink alcohol, to the end of 2020, to the start of 2021, and to what will hopefully be a much better year next year. Let's take into the new year all of the lessons we've learned, all of the love that's grown, and all of the passions we hold on to, and let's leave behind the things that suck, like pandemics and people who don't wear masks, and Joe Rogan. There, I said it. Let's leave Joe Rogan in 2020. Can you imagine if that was the last thing I said on my New Year's episode? If I just like made a nice long speech about food and hope and traditions and goals and dreams and and then ended it by calling someone an asshole for giving a platform to people who espouse dangerous and harmful ideas? (laughs) That would be such a wild way to end a year. 
Thanks so much for listening to Up for Discussion. Do you have a favorite New Year's Eve tradition or New Year's Day tradition? Tell me all about it on Twitter and Instagram at DownWithTalking or at Tom Zalatni. If you like this episode and want to help me make the show even better, you can head to patreon.com slash upfordiscussion to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'd be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall and Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Killian, Sarah Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Erica, and Chantal. Patrons get all kinds of amazing perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show, so go to patreon.com slash up for discussion if you want to become one of them. I also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Public. And of course, you can support me for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice, especially if it's Apple Podcasts, because uh, I will donate $2 to the Depot Community Food Bank for every new rating and review I get on Apple Podcasts by the end of this month. Uh, And you can also support me for free by sharing this episode with a friend, maybe a friend that you wish you could spend New Year's Eve with this year, but you can't because of the pandemic. You know, (laughs) listen to a podcast together share your traditions, maybe make listening to podcasts together a tradition. That's kind of fun. Anyway, our theme music is by Zach Ingalls. Our cover art is by David Flam. You can and should find links to both of their projects in the description of this episode. And last but certainly not least, this show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. See you in 2021. Just takes a little time, it takes a little time, it takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind, we'll take it slow this time. Hello, my name is Stefan, and please join me every week for my podcast, Some Good Friends, a show where I talk to some good friends of mine. And I think you're going to like them just as much as I do, because they're crazy, and they're wacky, and they're hilarious, and they're definitely real people, and not characters made up just for the sake of comedy. It comes out every Monday, early in the morning. Hi there, I'm Nick Hughes, the son. And I am James Hughes, the father. Together, we co-host Canada's Young Leaders, a podcast exploring bold ideas for our country's future. Our third and final season focuses specifically on climate change, how we got here, and where we need to go. We'll be speaking with young environmental leaders about the roles of governments, corporations, and individuals in combating this crisis, and also thinking about the role of the COVID-19 pandemic in the climate movement. So... If you're someone who is concerned about climate change and wants to learn more, check out Canada's Young Leaders, a very proud member of the Upford Network.